Thank you guys again for supporting the podcast. In case you guys didn't know, I'm really trying to work on growing my social media presence, either on Instagram and on Twitter. So make sure you guys give me a follow over there of at Jason Hill is both handles. It's also in the show description. It's a quick way to link over. This is the best way to also ask me about questions or topics you would like future podcasts on. Also, if you haven't already, make sure you check out the YouTube channel. It has a lot of these topics just in video format. It's just another medium for you guys to check it out. And so that is a good way to also get some jujitsu help. What's going on, everybody? Welcome into another episode of the Jiu-Jitsu Secrets Podcast. My name is Jason Hill. In case a lot of you guys are new here, we're having new listeners and downloads every day, it seems like, which is pretty awesome to see and to hear. So I have been thinking about how I can use this uh, platform or podcast to really help you guys out and to become, you know, a little bit more educational and get you guys some jujitsu help. And one of my uh, top podcasts that has been downloaded was this little short episode that I said was quick tips for white belts. Um, I don't know if it was the most downloaded because it was like super short. I think it was like seven minutes or if it was because it was directly focused toward white belts. Another big podcast that was downloaded from this one was the Jiu-Jitsu Hierarchy podcast as well, too. I think both of those are kind of in the top 10 and, um, you know, most downloaded and and ones that I kind of get messages on. So that led me to thinking, well, what if I did like a series on this idea of hierarchies for the different belts, what positions um, you know, you could be focusing on maybe what techniques you could be focused on based upon what you're at. And that's just kind of how my, my brain works is like, how can I make this a little bit more organized and, and clear? Um, a lot of times jujitsu is very chaotic and scrambled all over the place. So first, let me kind of give you guys a general overarching theme about how I think this will go. And then we'll kind of get into part one. So obviously I can't give out everything in one podcast. I mean, that would be just that would be like a giant long podcast and and I don't know if anyone would would listen for it that long. So how we'll break it down is we're going to break it down by belt. So we're going to do white belt, blue belt, purple belt, brown and then black because I've had the ability to go through every belt and I've been able to coach students at every belt. I think I can give you guys a rough idea of either how to address that current belt that you're at or maybe potentially Um, what to think about for the future coming up. So like if you're a blue belt, what to think about going toward your purple belt and so on and so forth. So the other way that we want to structure this though is also by the, by the hierarchy standard. And so if you guys haven't listened to that podcast, make sure you go do that. I think it's like one of the first five episodes of this series. So you might have to scroll quite a ways back to find it, but the jujitsu hierarchy just kind of talks about this idea of, you know, what are the best attacking positions? What is the best defensive positions? Kind of like a hierarchy if you had to organize jujitsu standard. And for some people, that stuff really helps. For some of you guys that say, oh, just show up and train, don't worry about it. That's cool if you have that luxury to be able to do that. But for a lot of people, that's not a sufficient answer. And if they can kind of get a more laid out depiction and drawn out format and that eases their anxiety and helps them feel like they're more productive, then who are you to tell them that that's useless and not to do? That's just absolutely ridiculous. Just worry about yourself and move on. So this will not be a podcast series for you. Anyway, sorry for that tangent. Um, So when we talk about the jiu-jitsu hierarchy, right, we can pretty much break down every technique 
or yeah, pretty much every technique or position into two ways. We either have offensive techniques or you have defensive techniques. And definitely we have different positions. Um, you can do, you can do, uh, offensive techniques from multiple positions. You can do defensive techniques from multiple positions and they kind of also cross between them. Right. So the way that I'm going to think about breaking this down is going to be kind of in that structure. So white belt, we'll talk about offense and defense, blue belt. We'll talk about offense and defense, purple belt. We'll talk about offense and defense and so on and so forth. And then kind of, uh, you know, break it apart from there. So we have the big oak overarching principle talking about belt. And then we'll have the subsection talking about offensive and defensive. And then the next idea would then be breaking it down into uh, positions and skills and techniques and attacks. Right. So I think that's the best way to talk about this. So like I said, obviously this is going to have to be a multiple, a multiple part podcast. So you guys might have to keep track of, uh, you know, I'll try to label it like part one, part two, so on and so forth. And they may not be Oh, like if, if I'm going to do white belt today, but it may not, the next episode may not be the next white belt part. I might move on to blue belt that way. Um, it's kind of fair and everyone can, can get different things. And then I'll circle back around to the white belt ideas and, and blue belt and the things I missed out on. So I think it keeps it fresh, keeps you guys guessing. Um, if you guys have any feedback, I absolutely love feedback. I'm not one of those people that doesn't answer. I I've made whole episodes literally based upon people sending me information. So if you have any feedback or ideas, please, please let me know. I'd be happy to implement them or try them out. So I'm literally giving you guys my thought process right now while recording this and putting this out. So it's pretty raw. So anyway, let's start with the white belt. And like I said, white belt, we're going to be talking about basically two styles. We have offensive and then we have defensive. And we want to remember that the jiu-jitsu hierarchy follows kind of in three ways. At the top of the jiu-jitsu hierarchy, at the very tippy top, the king is the submission hierarchy. That's like the most dominant where we're trying to always go to to end the fight. The next is going to be the top position. So top position, you know, top controls, top of mount, top of side control, being on someone's back, those things. And then we have the bottom hierarchy, which we'll be talking about, you know, the, the bottom of the guard, the bottom of the mount, having someone on your back, those kinds of positions, right? So you could pretty much inside of those hierarchies, you can have offensive and you can have defensive skills. So let's start off with the white belt defensive skills. And this is going to be the kind of where everyone starts in their career and, and where they should go for from there. So really, whenever you're training jujitsu, I, I really like to break this down into you have about three different types of defensive skills that you can get good at. Okay. So the first one is going to be talking about just surviving, being able to survive. The next one is going to be countering or defending. So basically someone has put you into a bad position and now you're able to move on and, and kind of counter that initial attack or, or uh, advancement of their position. Then the last part we have is going to be the escaping potential. And this is going to be uniformed across all of jujitsu uh, for all the belts, pretty much. Um, all the belts have the same thing. All of them have the defensive and then, and then the offensive. And I'll go over the offensive when we get to the offensive section. So when it comes to being defensive as a white belt, well, you're going to have to become defensive in the main in the main bottom positions, right, of that hierarchy chart. That's really where you're defensive mainly from. You you can be defensive from the top hierarchy as well too. Like if you're inside the top of the guard, for example, you have to be defensive um, even from the bottom or from the top of half guard or the top of side control. There's definitely attacks 
people can do from to, to you from the bottom that you, even though you're on top, you can be defensive. Um, same thing with takedowns, you know, you can be defensive, uh, defending takedowns. So this is kind of uniform across both the, um, uh, top and bottom hierarchy, but usually for white belts where they're going to have to start to employ these defensive skills is going to be in the bottom hierarchy. So what are the main areas that I recommend that white belts start to focus on first for the defenses and what attacks or, or counters do I really recommend that they start being able to focus on? Well, it's going to happen that you're going to be in probably the two worst positions majority of the time as a white belt. That would be having your back taken and then being in the bottom of the full mount. Those are usually the two worst positions. Those are at the very, very bottom of the bottom hierarchy. Like there's a whole tier of hierarchies inside of each one with positions. And by far the worst two are the uh, having someone on your back and then being in the bottom of the mount. So the first skill that you really need to get good at is this idea about surviving. Basically, you need to be able to stay calm enough, breathe enough, not exhaust yourself, and just be able to survive long enough to be able to start to mount some kind of a counter, right? And that sounds very basic, but that gets skipped a lot of times because whenever you're training jujitsu, especially when you're very, you first start, you're going to be encouraged by your instructor to like get out quickly, get out fast, because if you're talking about being in a self-defense scenario, you want to do those things. You don't want to just be patient, but whenever we're talking about training, you need to understand that the first goal is always survival because you can always add speed, right? But if you start to go too fast, too quickly, then you're going to miss a lot of key aspects and build a lot of bad habits and have a lot of frustration. So first thing is surviving is being patient, being patient, breathing, trying to analyze exactly what's going to happen. That is a big survival skill that I don't hear a lot of people talk about is this idea about analyzing. So it's not even just like breathing and being calm is one thing, but a lot of times students don't even realize like when I have them in the back position, they don't even realize which side of the back that I have them on. They don't know if I'm on the underhook or the overhook or the strong or weak side. They're just trying to randomly flip and flail and trying to get out, but not understanding which side they're, they're needing to address their escape on or their counters is crucially important. Or if they're in half guard, or I'm sorry, the top of the, the top of the mount, for example, they don't even realize that my hand's inside the lapel or that I have their arm already pinned or that I already have them in a headlock. If you're a struggling jiu-jitsu student that is really looking for some more help and guidance and trying to figure out what you should be training and the next steps in your jiu-jitsu journey, I have an online program called the Jiu-Jitsu Blueprint for Lifelong Development. Make sure you hit me up at jasonhill.com and I do an interview to make sure that you're a good fit, make sure the program would actually benefit you so that way your time's not wasted and neither is mine. Thank you guys again for supporting the podcast and we'll get on to the episode. They just try to flip and flail and they're not analyzing and surviving and figuring out what actual position that they're in. Because as we all know, if you're having your back taken or if you're being in the bottom of the mount, there are a bunch of subsections. It's not just one specific uh, position. It's not just one specific back mount or one specific mount, right? The back mount, you could be, um, you, you might have someone who has double unders. You might have someone that has a backpack. You might have someone that has, you know, controlling you with your lapels or your sleeves, or, you know, if they're on the underhook side, they might have their legs in a weird position, like a body triangle. So 
the first thing is you have to understand and analyze what is going on. That's a very crucial skill. And that's inside that survival category. The next one is talking about the defense or the counters, right? So what do I mean by that? I mean, being able to intelligently fight off their first layer of attack. You should be ultra proud that if you're a white belt and a blue belt gets on your back and you make them uh, change their attack or they have to go to their second option, that is a absolute win for you. You should be ecstatic if that ever happens. Don't be mad if you get tapped with the second or third thing. Just be happy that you're able to make them uh, change their course of action. So some common attacks that I know students have problems defending in the beginning is collar chokes. They, they're not sure how to escape a, an X choke. They're not sure how to escape a basic arm lock, maybe even a key lock. Um, and there are general principles that you guys can start to do to defend these counters, right? So for example, if someone starts putting their hand inside your lapel, instead of just trying to flip and flail and trying to get out, try to strategically address that hand inside the lapel. If you feel like someone is scooping your arm up for an arm lock, try to intelligently recover them scooping that up and get your arm back to a safe place. If they're trying to get you into a head and arm choke, for example, try to notice when they're doing that and trying to reset the position so that way they have to re-engage that head and arm choke again. So many times I hear students when they when they think about counters, they're thinking about the choke or the attack being fully in. So this person has me in a full head and arm choke. What's the escape? That's a totally um, inefficient way to look at escapes. The way you should be looking at escapes is like a video game. So for example, level one of any video game is always the easiest. Level two is the hardest. Level three is the next hardest, so on and so forth. It's the same thing when you're escaping jujitsu positions or attacks. If it, there's no attacks that come to my mind right away that don't have multiple layers to them. So let me give you an example. I'm going to go for a cross choke or an X choke from the mount. My first step is I have to put one hand in the lapel. Second step is I have to like control that. Third step is I got to put my second hand in. And then my last step is that I have to apply the body mechanics and the squeeze to finish the choke. So every time that they progress a level, the harder it will be to escape. So it is much easier to escape when they only have one hand inside the lapel versus two. And I know that sounds dumb and duh, but when you can start adapting that mindset, I guarantee you, you'll see your counters or your way that you're going to view getting out succeed a lot better because you'll already be thinking about that. Same thing for like, um, a triangle choke. I know this is outside, this is a different realm, but a triangle choke has several layers. You have to first isolate the arm. You have to then control the triangle position. Then you have to move the arm across the body. Then you have to lock your legs up and then you have to apply a squeeze. So that was like four layers. Each layer has a way to escape. Each layer has a weakness to it. But the further down the layers you get or the further into the levels of the video game you get, the harder it becomes to escape. And so there are multiple escapes at multiple layers. People are creating new ones all the time. So when you're thinking about working kind of counters or escapes, that's the idea you want to have about like, how can I just make them uh, either reset or re-engage or what's the earliest I can start to counter on? And like I said, most commonly, that's going to be from the bottom of the mount position. Um, it's going to be having someone on your back. 
It could be also inside of the clothes guard. That's often where I see white belts get caught a lot because they just do more naive things. And this is a big part of the advice I will give white belts on defending is try to limit the naive things. So what are naive things? It would be things like if you're in the bottom of the mount, don't try to reach up and cross choke me. <laughs> so if you're in the bottom of the mount, you cannot reach your hands inside my lapel and choke me. You're giving me a gift of an arm lock. Um, if you're inside my clothes guard, don't just reach out and grab my head for a can opener or try to choke me from inside my clothes guard. You're giving me an arm lock. Um, don't push and extend your hands too far. You're going to give people sweeps and, and arm locks and attacks. So a lot of times for white belts, you're getting caught not because the person is a lot a lot more skilled. That That is a factor, but a lot of times you're giving majority of the attacks. Um, it's really easy for me to take your arm home and take your neck home. If you just give it to me, you don't have to, I don't have to force it. I don't have to get sneaky with it. If you just extend your arm or open up your neck so wide, I can just take it easy. Right? So that's a big one for there. Now, when we talk about the last one, we talk about escapes for white belts, the main escapes that you need to be working or trying is going to be escaping from the back, escaping from the bottom of the mount, and then escaping from side control. Those are always going to be the main ones. Um, there are definitely different layers, but the thing that I really recommend white belts work on specifically for escapes is very solid, like elbow escapes, understanding how to turn on your side, understanding the actual mechanics of everything and being mindful and being patient and really trying to analyze. Uh, going back to the first point about the survival, a lot of times, um, because white belts have such limited knowledge about their different escapes, maybe they've only learned one mount escape or one back mount escape, they don't realize that the conditions have changed. So for example, let's say you've only done the elbow escape from the mount on one side and the opponent is cross-facing you and making you look the other way, well, maybe you've never been taught that you can't, it's very difficult to do the, I don't want to say can't, but it's very difficult to do the elbow escape toward the cross-face. So you would need to switch sides and do it the other way. So little things like that are very important for white belts to understand and to start to get grasp of. So a lot of times it's not about learning more stuff it's about paying attention to what you already know and paying attention to the scenarios that you're being put in and then applying the appropriate escape. Um, a lot of times students are just trying to, they, they apply an escape that's somewhat close, but it's not the right one at the right time or it's a different condition, right? So from the backpack, for example, maybe you've learned to just sit up and be able to get out. But if I have my legs wrapped around you in a specific way, you're not going to be able to do that. So you have to do a different escape. So you can't just apply always one escape to one uh, one thing. Now, eventually there are concepts that go across multiple ideas, which I understand. Concepts are great and fantastic, but a lot of times concepts for white belts go right over their heads. They need direct, like, do this when this happens, do that when this happens, do this when that happens. And then you can start pointing out those concepts as they're doing them over time, right? So this is my white belt series talking about defenses. The next white belt series that we'll talk about is going to be about offense and attack and going into 
the other side of the hierarchy talking about the offensive skills. Um, I don't know which one I'm going to do next. I might do purple belt. I might do brown belt to shoot. I might go straight to black belt defense just to show the different dichotomies between it. But I think this will be a fun little series. Gives you guys some tips and tricks to think about. Give you something to look forward to. And maybe make you uh, raise some questions. Maybe you disagree with everything that I said. That's totally cool. You can disagree with me, guys. That's okay. Just because I'm a black belt doesn't mean I'm God. But I do have some kind of ability to give you some information, right? Um, so if you've been told differently or if you have different advice, man, I would love to hear it. Shoot me a message and uh, let me know what you guys think. So with that, anyways, you guys have a good week. Keep training hard and I'll see you guys in the next one. If you guys are really enjoying this podcast, I'd greatly appreciate it if you left me some reviews, maybe some five stars, whether you're listening to this on Audible, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, make sure you guys leave this five stars, leave some nice words. Also share it with a friend. You know, I don't charge anything for these podcasts and my goal is just to grow it and help the jiu-jitsu community. So thank you guys for supporting and I'll see you guys later.